Hello, I'm Joseph Renick. I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. Rain Kaversi here. And welcome to the Bomb Squad podcast, the uh, podcast that's the equivalent of being the last sailor in line behind a whore. That's not a critique of our podcast. That's actually a reference to the movie that we are going to be talking about today, The Specials, the uh, movie from the year 2000, directed by Craig Mazin and written by James Gunn. We're going to be talking about this in anticipation for his upcoming movie, The Suicide Squad. Wait, the specials? I thought we were talking about Mystery Men. <laughs> what a uh, ripoff. I mean, they, they shot around the same time, but Mystery Men came out first, so. What? You guys said we were going to do something classy. I thought we were doing the Chernobyl miniseries from HBO. What the fuck? Same guy. Same guy. Uh, yeah, same guy. Uh, Craig Mazin was the showrunner for Chernobyl and superhero movie also directed superhero movie but but most importantly he wrote the movie rocket man from 1997 with harlan williams <laughs> was that before or after he was roommates with ted cruz uh good question <laughs> wait what uh, mazin was roommates with ted cruz and he shits on him on twitter all the time <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize that was the same guy holy shit Craig Mazin, what a guy. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll get started by actually kind of starting to talk about the movie. It, it, it's kind of useless to ask you guys whether or not you guys had seen this prior because I'm, I'm al- almost 100% certain you guys have seen this for the first time. Th- this movie's pretty obscure. What are you talking about? This is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so this is an obscure movie it's hard to find there's only like 5,000 copies available of the blu-ray on la la land records we're we're gonna dive into the first question that i have prepped uh our boy james gunn we're, we're gonna talk about him a little bit we can all agree that he is a a pretty good writer and a fascinating one at that let's kind of avoid talking about him as a director save that for maybe the suicide squad what, what, what are you guys' thoughts and opinions on james gunn the writer uh, we'll we'll start with Austin. Uh, according to commentary on this this rare Blu-ray, Joe was nice enough to uh, lend the group. Uh, this movie was written in like two to three weeks. Um, I was living in New York at the time. I wrote the specials in two or three weeks. And I think it's a piece of satire about how celebrity turns icons into assholes. It's pretty okay. There's this point in the movie where uh, Weevil goes up to this group called the Crusaders, which are the more popular superhero group, well above the specials, funded by the CIA. And uh, the member of the Crusaders he's talking to is actually just like talking about getting pussy and selling toys just more intensely than the specials. It's it's actually a pretty, pretty solid. Did any of you know that Alan Moore and James Gunn were likely the same age when they wrote their superhero satires? They were both 33. Watchmen, you know, specials. Huh. <laughs> that's, that's actually interesting you say that because I'm, I shit you not, I was planning at some point to compare the specials, the movie we watched, to the 2019 Watchmen miniseries. I, we'll get to that when we get to that. I have a reason for comparing the two. It actually makes sense, but I, I, we'll get to that. Back on Gunn as a writer, um... I actually liked a lot of the gags. I'm sorry. I grew up in the odds. This is like where I used to swim. Some of the gags like were pretty well set up. They had callbacks, uh, strobe speech about pissing on somebody, uh, getting misconstrued by U.S. Bill. <laughs> the eight being a CIA creation, which is harkened back to when the diner owner is like, 
where was that person when JFK was killed? You know, there was like a little bit of heavy lifting in the screenplay that was written in two to three weeks. Uh, but another thing that's more like on topic with gun, there's little bit bits of like relatable stuff. Like we're from the Midwest, guns supposedly from here. And uh, there's like those relatable beats where it's like somebody getting hit with the zipper in a pillow fight or someone having like a piss dot on their pants when they come out of a bathroom. It's like, huh. This guy's human. This movie wasn't made by committee. This is shit from, like, your lifetime thrown in the script. And most of all, you know, Troma Entertainment, this is Gunn being strange and writing weird, like, one-off shit that doesn't have callbacks. It's just supposed to wallop you with how weird it is. He's a provocative dude. It has these one-off jokes that are, like, a mox plan to rape all pets after the specials break up. <laughs> uh, orphan alien being just unpredictable and nuts the whole time. The story about the superhero who can whack people with a scrotum. Like, it, it's very, like, prototypical gun. Yeah, it's pretty in tune with what I expect of gun early on in his career as it was. Hell yeah. Tanner. We'll, we'll, we'll go to you next. He's very interesting as a writer because I, I this is going to sound insane. My favorite James Gunn script is uh, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. I think that is him at his best as a writer, as deranged and as lunacic that sounds. I have a letterbox review of the second Scooby-Doo movie where I call it both the perfect satirical and undeconstruction of the Scooby-Doo mythos in Saturday morning cartoons while being the penultimate, most ultimate example of the exact thing it's deconstructing at the same time. It's biting satire, but perfect perfectly sincere all in one. It is a masterstroke of writing using established properties and using typically more children-centric, teen-centric, younger audience-centric type of characters and themes, sort of similar to the specials as, you know, superheroes are inherently supposed to be for children. They were invented for children. And as much as man babies on the internet want to say they're only for adults, superhero started audience is mostly younger people. And I think the specials is an interesting uh, satire, not really so much of superheroes, but as like Austin said earlier, of just how being a celebrity kind of makes you an asshole. As someone who was uh, once a cult internet celebrity, let me tell you, it kind of makes you an asshole. I think Gunn's a super talented writer, and I think uh, a lot of what I like about this movie is present in the writing. There were some directing moments from Craig Menzen that I thought were relatively strong, but I thought I think the most interesting stuff comes from the screenplay. A lot of the good gags and stuff like that. Like uh, the one scene, I'm pretty sure there was this screams Gunn, where Sean Gunn's character the alien orphan uh, when they were like ordering alcohol out of nowhere alien orphan just says in like perfect English a bloody Mary (laughs) (laughs) Vrenik was watching me with it watching this with me I think I laughed the hardest at that line yes yeah so (laughs) I think everything that makes this movie great is within the screenplay and I think Gunn is an incredibly talented writer Uh, watch Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed because it's uh, a masterpiece I'm not even kidding Rain what are your thoughts on James Gunn's writer, so I feel like I feel like a, a sort of good analogy might be like James Gunn's writer is like a Pokemon, like James Gunn of today. That's this is like the fully evolved Charizard. He's just amazing. He's the he's the little Charmander. <laughs> Late James Gunn, he's like the master at mixing like tragedy and comedy together into like this perfect blend where like you're laughing and crying all the emotions at once. I think um, he's the expert at just like super weird, out there, colorful characters with a lot of depth and stuff. Whereas early James Gunn, that entertainment and just, like, that weird out there, like, who would think of that sort of energy is there? But, like, there's a lot of depth that's sort of lacking 
And I think it's kind of interesting to see it. if you're more used to his latter work to to come back to stuff like Tromeo and Juliet and the specials and stuff where he's still trying. He's still developing that, trying to like add that extra to his scripts. Again, analogies, I feel like these are all very colorful, interesting cardboard cutouts of characters. Kind of. It, it, that's the violent guy got. There's not a lot of depth to them other than like their weird personality quirks, but they're very fun, entertaining personality quirks. That's, I guess, gives my hints on why I think of some of his earlier work. I guess to balance it out, he's probably like my favorite director right now, slash writer right now, for doing big budget or temple stuff. So I just want to point that out before um, the pitchforks <laughs> get raised at me. Too late. I have a CIA so, yeah. death squad en route to your house. There's a sniper right outside the window behind you, Rain. Any last words? Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> That's the epitaph. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'll get into my thoughts here. I'll keep it as brief as possible because you guys kind of covered a lot of what I love about Gunn just as both a filmmaker and a writer. Mm-hmm. I've said it before in a previous podcast. James Gunn's my favorite filmmaker. That's why I'm hosting this podcast. That's also why I'm hosting the Suicide Squad podcast. Like, I I love this man to death. One of the things that I think really makes Gunn a fantastic writer, and it's probably why I relate to his work a lot, is that he knows how to write losers well. He knows how to write the rebel, the oddball, the outcast, the geek. I threw in a reference to the movie. (laughs) He also knows how to write abuse victims, trauma victims in a way that is not like over the top. He gives them quirks. He gives them a sense of humor, but he still manages a way to like take all of like those quirks and like those jokes that he'll give those characters and still make them human in a much more relatable way than hell most dramas even do. That, that's what I really love about Gunn as a writer. And the specials is kind of like his first, I wouldn't say like a, a giant step into that realm of how he writes those characters, but it's a good baby step. Like the, the, this is very, very early on Gunn and it shows a lot of promise for all of the movies that he will later write and direct where he would eventually perfect it in Super, which might actually just be my favorite movie ever. It's definitely my favorite gun movie. Another example that when I showed Steven Tronichick this movie, uh, he he felt that this was a proto-Guardians of the Galaxy. And yeah, uh, it it definitely kind of shows. I I think it's a more proto-Suicide Squad than anything. I I got more vibes of that here. But this leads to the next question. Uh, What did you guys think of the movie overall? Uh, Tanner, we'll start with you. Thought it sucked. No, I'm kidding. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I had a, I had a pretty good time with it. I remember being when you said, "Oh, the movie's about over." I was like, "What? What do you mean? Thirty minutes have passed?" Uh, because it was a uh, really well paced. I I uh, think the pacing of the movie is really great, and I think to me. Uh, what I really like this movie is compared to something like other types of satires of superhero movies is that it's not even it's not even in earnest trying to be your traditional superhero movie, which granted in the year 2000, there wasn't really a superhero movie mold yet. We had what? X-Men literally came out the year that the specials came out. Yeah. And then before that, you have like what? Blade, Blade. the Superman movies, the Batman movies like there wasn't really yeah. a quote unquote mold of what. A superhero movie could be yet, but even within what little uh, kind of pre-established genre things there were before at this point, 
it, it's real light in that kind of things. It's it's. Uh, I read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia about how it was just uh, following a group of superheroes on their quote unquote day off, which doesn't quite sound correct considering it's about the most eventful time in their life. But well, to be fair, they're also the seventh best superhero team in the world. So six or seventh. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Six or seven. We're not quite sure. I imagine they just have like a lot of days where they're just lounging about their house slash headquarters that they would just consider days off. Yeah, I think the thing I really like about this movie is that it portrays people in a superhero team not necessarily as these best friend types, but as co-workers. <laughs> you don't hate your co-workers usually, mm-hmm. but you're not exactly their greatest friends on the earth. You're just like, yeah, uh, they're mm-hmm. fine. I, I I don't dislike their presence. Their presence is fine. I'm not exactly going to go out and get a beer with them right afterwards. And, of course, there are, like, cliques within this little group that is more friendly than other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it felt more akin to an office job than it did a family, if that makes sense. Right. Um, in a way, it's almost like the most dysfunctional family that works together in an office it's really unique in, in 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 that sense. I haven't really seen a superhero movie like this, or any any type of movie with super powered characters quite like this. I think it was pretty good. I gave it like a three and a half stars on Letterboxd or something like that. I think the comedy for the most part is pretty good. I don't recall a single transphobic joke off the top of my head, which thank God, because Lord knows if you watch any comedy in the two thousands, usually there's at least three. There wasn't in this movie, at least that I noticed. But I really uh, enjoyed. Uh, this movie for what it was, I think that all the characters had good chemistry. I think uh, there was a, a nice, very human, very, very human through line with the you were cheating on my wife sort of thing. And this was supposed to be this great big step for us. Honestly, as someone who is a creative type, who is a aspiring actor, filmmaker, I found it too familiar. It was eerily familiar in the sense of we got this action figure deal and almost felt like, oh, we got our big break. It's like that episode of Friends. Where Joey gets to be a butt double. It's a weird comparison, but it's like, oh, this is my big break. But your big break doesn't mean it's not it's not shit. It's not all glamorous. It's not all sunshines mm-hmm. and rainbows. So there's a lot to like about this movie, even if not a lot happens per se. It's just a very much a sort of enjoy the ride type of movie. It's honestly reminiscent of a lot of Linklater movies, which I love because Linklater is my favorite director. Where It's not so much about an overarching flop as it is just following some characters on this day of their life. So I really liked it in that regard. I think it's a really solid movie and this should have been a sign that Craig Manson was always capable of great things. Okay. Austin, what do you think of the movie overall? Well, I, I started having Vietnam flashbacks when Better Days by Citizen King comes on in the opening. <laughs> I was like, oh, mom, let's go to the pool today. All my friends are going to be there. It's weird watching this, like, million-dollar sort of first-time director superhero movie now that we live in an age where everybody throws so much more fucking money at superhero properties. Like, at the end, it made logical sense. I was just expecting a sequence where they go beat the shit out of Weevil. And then, you know, the payoff was basically just one member of the press following Rob Lowe and giving him the Batman Forever treatment. Oh, your suit has nipples on it. It sucked dick, you know? Uh, Same for the toy commercial. It's mostly just a superhero sitcom with minimal action involved. 
And uh, the film's catharsis seems like it was for Gen Xers of a certain age who really like hearing speeches about how rejects and geeks should have their day in the sun, too. Like, that's an old thing that also gave me flashbacks to the 2000 aughts. The amount of gags in this film was commendable. This was like some Zucker Brothers shit. They really throw a lot of stuff at the wall. And also, I don't know if this is like just a thing Gunn was born good at doing, but they do like world building. The things they choose to have characters randomly off doing is like it, it reminds you of stuff they couldn't show in the movie, like uh, opening where they're talking about the uh, female member who just quit. It's just a lot of instances of that. It's certainly an OK film. Uh, usually it's cutaway gags and references to off screen stories are sometimes better than the humor produced by the main plot. But it's like it's the film is one hour and 22 minutes, I think maybe entirely shot on film. They, they barely show anybody using their superpowers. This is one of those examples that feels like it was a script written around material limitation. Like, can you make a film out of people in costumes on location talking? The answer is yes. You got James Gunn. Uh, like there's a checklist. The band breaks up and gets back together. Some of them have sex. There's a dance number. And I, I do agree with what Joe said about, like, he knows how to write geeks and outcasts because, holy shit, everyone's so horny in this movie. <laughs> they don't make them like this anymore, man. <laughs> I, everyone wants to fuck uh, Jordan Ladd. All right, R- Rain. All right. So I feel like the thing that, like, may have enjoyed most about this movie was not even a factor of the um, writing or the directing, but just, like, how I kind of, like, appreciated how cheap it was like it felt like it was made for like four dollars or something it would be more expensive just to like get a, a nice meal from mcdonald's than it would have been to make this movie like i thought there was like a lot of charm like oh here's all these actors you sort of recognize like you don't know their names but like you you've seen them in a thing you're pretty sure being able to like make a movie through being able to tell a story through um just some fun writing some good enough directing that uh charm uh really uh it'll drive a lot of my entertainment value from this I feel like, like I was saying about early James Gunn, I do think it's a very entertaining movie. Very, um, it's able to ride on on its quirkiness a good deal. It's arguably over reliant on being quirky, but um, I, don't know, I feel like there's worse things I guess you could say about a movie. I kind of like how you don't really see much of the superhero stuff. I, don't know, I always really like the um, intersection between big grand superhero stories and just mundane everyday drama. I'm just like a sucker for that crap. If I had a criticism, it might be like the movies like. The movie might be too simple. Like, I was wanting more. Like, it was like, oh, it's already... Like, yeah, like what Tanner was saying earlier. It's like, I was shocked when I, like... I was watching on a computer. When my cursor hovered over the screen, I was like, oh, it's already, like, two-thirds over. Like, it feels like it's been, like, ten minutes. You can you can argue it's either a strength or a negative. In conclusion, pretty good movie. It's very interesting within James Gunn's... Um, like, to appreciate as like a as, like, one piece of his evolution... And then maybe the biggest weakness of this movie might be um, seeing it now in 2021 because just like how many superhero uh, critiques and parodies we've seen since since now. Like, I'm sure a lot of the jokes probably held up better, you know, when it, we weren't so over and with it. But yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs> All right. Um, so Austin had mentioned the low budget of this, how the script kind of feels like they had to work around just having no budget whatsoever. Uh, I guess fun question for you guys. Uh could you tell when watching this that uh, Sheena's Secret was inspired by this? I, I, I guess for context's sake, uh, it's not out yet. It's not even out in the festival circuit. It's almost finished, though. I wrote a movie called uh, Sheena's Secret about a teenager who has superpowers, and we made it for maybe about, like, a thousand bucks. And one of the inspirations when I did the rewrite was the specials because of... Uh, 
how it uses its. I want to say it's like estimated one million for its budget. Mm-hmm. So, like even for two thousand, this was a fucking cheap movie. But yeah, wanted to throw that out there. So my thoughts on the movie. I, I recommended that we watch it. So of course. I I love it for a lot of the reasons everyone had mentioned already. The, the gags in this are uh, some of them can be a bit miss, uh, and then others are like up there and I, I would say like top fifteen gags that Gunn has ever done. There's a couple that break into that. Tanner had mentioned uh, how uh, the characters just feel like coworkers as as opposed to a family, which for me, having watched all of Gunn's work, I felt that was kind of refreshing in a, in a sense because now now we're just used to with uh, with Guardians, Guardians 2, and I'm the only one that's seen it so I can confirm the Suicide Squad even. We're, we're, we're kind of used to them, like the quirky outsiders who don't get along at first but become a family trope that he's kind of been known for. Hell, it's even, it's even present in the Scooby-Doo movies. It, it's very refreshing to see a movie where it's just like people just kind of tolerate each other in a James Gunn script. I won't get too deep into it because I think a lot of, I, I think you guys kind of covered a lot of what I really like about it, so I will just move on to the next question. Uh, so this movie is an ensemble movie. Um, what? <laughs> what if I'm going to tell me this? I, I tried to tell you, Tanner, but you weren't paying attention. <laughs> uh, so this movie is an ensemble movie with a ton of wonderful characters played by a, a ton of actors who had started their careers or were just beginning their careers. So I have to ask, because there are plenty of different characters in it. What was your favorite character? We'll, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Austin. A lot of them are kind of likable, and uh, the one I choose is not exactly very likable, but it was mostly because we got to watch him go through the most things. Uh, It would be Thomas Hayden Church as the strobe, uh, because... He, he at least gets to go through like one meaningful like phase change. Like when he stands up for the group at the toy premiere, even though that was in, almost entirely motivated by him being a cuckold, um, it was still like revealed later um, when uh, Weevil deflects from the specials over to the Crusaders that he really does care about the specials somewhat. Watching him on the fly try to make Nightbird's powers seem like they're, you know, worthwhile was actually kind of like yeah. heartfelt. Yeah, it was just that everybody else was so thinly drawn, like one note joke that it was like, I got to go for the person with two jokes, you know, goes from Alec Baldwin and Malice God Complex over to being a less (laughs) annoying version of Alec Baldwin. That's a great description. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Rain, how about you? Who is your favorite character? Oh, man. So this joke is going to be hilarious for the two people who have seen a lot of Naruto and the specials. I thought it was very interesting that 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 pain um, made an appearance in this movie before, like ten years before he showed up in in Naruto. I thought that was very weird. Of course, I am talking about multiple man or the person who was like eight people with like one mind. I thought that was a fun gimmick, just like all these people, just all these random actors. But, like the gimmick was fun. On top of that, like how there was like actually some heart to the character, like how there one trace. Oh, I actually do care about you guys, and just uh, I'm not great at, at trying to communicate the right thing. But I, I try to do the right thing. Maybe that spoke to me now. I'm just realizing that as I'm saying it. Obviously, the worst character is Jamie Kennedy because, hey, Jamie Kennedy, blue man, for those un, unaware. A very honorable mention to Ghost Girl because uh, she's fun. Ghost Girl, you mean Deadly Girl? 
Yeah, Judy Greer. Greer. Ju- Judy Greer, who Tanner did not realize was yeah. Judy Greer until the credits rolled. Oh, <laughs> I went, that was Judy Greer. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it's, it's like the opposite of the character she normally she, plays. I, she nailed it, honestly. It's very different from her Ant Man character, which is unfortunately the thing I first think of when I think of Judy Greer. Um, I was gonna uh, say that's the next thing that you think of. I feel like she deserves better than that, but the first thing I think of is her uh, Eric Andre uh, interview. <laughs> All right, uh, Tanner. Now that we got through Reigns, who's your favorite character? Uh, Austin stole my answer. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it's kind of hard not to pick the one character that actually does go through somewhat of a character arc throughout the movie relative to everyone else. A lot of people say kind of static and Thomas Hayden Church, who, by the way, I thought actually gave a very uh, pretty good performance, given the fact that the material wasn't exactly the most amazing. I can act with this material. I thought he did a lot of good stuff with it and made his character very engaging. I, I, I could always tell the sort of inner conflict with him from the start. I think he did a great job. So, you know, the strobe, that's pretty great. I want to shout out some other characters. Uh, Sean Gunn uh, made me uh, feel sick to my stomach. Oh, the entire time, I just thought his poor neck muscles must be on fire because <laughs> the thing he has to do with that hurts your muscles. So uh, God bless him for it. I want to shout out, uh, you know, Joe, you said, oh, it's all these actors at the beginning of their careers with like one notable exception, which is Rob fucking Lowe. Yeah, Rob Lowe had a career by this point. And he was a part of the Brat Pack. And so did Melissa Joan Hart, who gets like fifth billing in the trailer and is only in one scene. Yeah, that was random. (laughs) Is that Melissa Joan Hart? So, you know, that was kind of just out there. But I really like Rob Lowe. Bird Girl, I thought, gave a, also a, was another character. Because, you know, as we are all here, we do enjoy the occasional superhero of movie, I think you would say. So seeing the fangirl become a superhero feels like uh, me as a kid playing in the backyard with all my imaginary friends and these complex storylines. Um, it felt like some kind of storyline I would come up with in my backyard. And I know that sounds like an insult, but I mean that as the most sincerest compliment possible. Oh, one last thing. James Gunn in this movie uh, as like the most normal person. Hmm. The guy that seems to have the least amount of damage. I thought he did a good job. James Gunn should, like, act more. He was good. Yeah, I I would agree. He's, yeah, he's surprisingly decent. Okay, so now that we've all gone through uh, your guys' favorite characters, I'll I'll list off a couple of mine. I do agree with Austin and Tanner. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, he absolutely gets the most to do um, out of really anybody in the cast. He actually goes through, like, an arc. He seems to also really be having a lot of fun with that role, too. So Thomas Hayden Church, w- wonderful actor. He can be pretty charismatic, but he, he can also be kind of, like, emotionally reserved at times. Like, he's, he's not the most uh, emotionally expressive. However, um, I would say that this is one of those roles where that's, like, kind of the exception because he's very uh, optimistic, angry, kind of snotty. We were actually talking about, because I watched this with Tanner. I, I, I sat through his first experience with it. Like, that whole monologue that he gives at the beginning. You know, he is clearly having a lot of fun delivering what is one of the most insane monologues ever. Where he's talking about, uh, if I piss on a prostitute and I get on the front page, a little boy will see it. Then piss on his sister's cunt. <laughs> and then it'll become gangrenous. And we'll have to chop off the leg. <laughs> Superpowers come super responsibility, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he's clearly having a lot of fun just hamming that up and trying to make that sound super inspirational. I, I got to agree with you guys there. 
Judy Greer is the one that I kind of relate to as far as like the concept of viewing these people as co-workers. I'm just, I'm just there. I, I'm here to do whatever I need to do. I, I do not care. Uh, <laughs> so, so I kind of related to her in that sense. James Gunn, uh, as a minute man, uh, not minute man, he, he's also up there. He's pretty good. I, agreed with Tanner. He he should uh, he should act more. I'll, I'll end it with this. I do kind of agree with uh, Rain as far as his thoughts on Jamie Kennedy. He, he's not the best in this. Tanner, you got something to say. No, he's not the best Fair. in anything. Tanner's got Listen, something I to th- say. I thought Jamie Kennedy played a great asshole, but uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention this because this is the reason why I tweeted James Gunn while we were watching the movie. Uh, U.S. Bill, also a standout, because I I, had, I convinced myself that that character was autistic. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> He, he, he does kind of read as autistic. Uh, I, I tweeted James Gunn asking him if he did that on purpose. I mean, it was the 2000s, so it probably was not intentional. We'll never know unless he tweets at us. Yeah, we'll never I, know. I, James I, Gunn tweeted us. I, I, yeah, tweeted us, James, please. Uh, also come on the show. That, 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 that'd uh, be really awesome. And oh. also, it's funny that U.S. Bill was played by the story editor of Scrubs. Um, oh, one last thing, because uh, we were talking about Nightbird. Uh, Nightbird has a quote in this that I relate to my experience with film school. So she goes in to turn in her superhero uniform at uh, Specials HQ, and she says to uh, Miss Indestructible, I, I joined because I wanted to be a superhero, uh, but all you guys care about is sex, your egomanias, and your toy lines. That, that, that's how I feel about film school. Is I, I came to make movies, but all you guys care about is your egomanias and sex. <laughs> okay, uh, now that we've gotten through favorite characters, uh, the, the real biting question that I have for all of you guys is now that you've seen it, would you recommend that people seek this thing out? Is it worth the effort to try and find this thing? I will start with... I'll start with Rain. That'll be his question. Um, I would say... Honestly, it's probably really only worth it if, like, you're just a massive James Gunn fan. You really want to see their evolution, like I was saying. You know, you're going to love all of it. Or if you're just a big sucker for, um, like, superhero parodies, like superhero critiques sort of stuff. Stuff that sort of pokes fun at superheroes. If that's your, like, you're just a sucker for that stuff, then, then I'd say try and check this one out. Otherwise, it's good, but you don't need a not the end of the world if you never see it. Okay. Austin, what about you? W- w- would you recommend people check this out? Yeah, yeah. I'm like a level three film historian. I'm like a level three boss. And uh, so it's. It, I feel obligated to recommend this to people because it's sort of like a weird prototype superhero film made for barely any money before superhero films hit the big Marvel train and got profitable. Like there's that also that aughts humor that isn't around anymore with that distinctive gross out element. Everybody's talking about sex way too much. It's like a nice time capsule to how weird that decade was, how different everyone behaved. I, I recommend people this one film, 84 Charlie Mopic, right? It's this Vietnam War found footage film, like way before found the found footage craze with Blair Witch, right? This feels like about one of those like hidden gems, kind of like 84 Charlie Mopic. It's like, hey, did you know there's this fucking weird indie film about superheroes acting like co-workers? Nobody does. I, sh- I, th- I think this would be fine. Like, it's not a bad film. But most of all, I want to recommend this people to f- to spite Rob Lowe because he tried to distance himself from this film because he got picked up by the West Wing and didn't want this to be his fucking image, okay? He tried to step away from the shit. So now, for the sake of this motherfucker, I think everybody should watch this. <laughs> All right, Tanner, 
Well, how about you? Do you think people should seek this out? I was I was going to give a very nuanced answer, and then Austin said that thing about Rob Lowe. So I, I think all the nuance is thrown out the window. Fuck, fuck you, Rob Lowe. What the fuck? Listen, actors are in weird indie movies at the beginning of their career sometimes. All right, just because you get to suck Aaron Sorkin's cock on The West Wing doesn't mean you get to pretend like you didn't get into this weird movie. All right, you fucking neoliberal asshole. Uh, so go watch the specials just despite James Gunn uh, or despite <laughs> Rob Lowe. <laughs> Do it to spite James Gunn, even if it doesn't spite him. You're going to try anyway. On a more serious note, I, I think it's worth seeking out. The question is, is that I didn't have to try. I didn't have to try to hunt it down. I feel like from the impression Vrenik gives me, it, it's actually hard to track down. For example, you can't rent this on like Prime Video or anything. It's not on there. It isn't. So the only options that are available are an out-of-print Mill Creek DVD and then there's the recent, as of last year, the 20th anniversary Blu-ray released by La La Land Records, and there's only 5,000 copies that they made. But they're, they're, they're still selling them because uh, apparently Vrenik apparently bought it as soon as possible because he was afraid they would sell like hotcakes, and apparently they're still selling. So, so. <laughs> so here's the thing about La La Land Records. I'll just kind of go on a spiel about this because we're actually doing pretty well on time. La La Land Records... Um, they make limited release like soundtracks and Blu-rays and they sell really fast. So I was afraid that, oh, if I don't like buy it on day one, I'm going to miss my chance to own it on Blu-ray and it's going to cost like a shit ton of money on eBay. Not the fucking case. I could have waited. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's how obscure this movie is, is that nobody's rushing out to buy the Blu-ray of it. Yeah, I, so I mean, it's really about a effort versus reward thing. I'm not going to act like this movie's a masterpiece or anything, because again, three and a half stars out of five. It's not a bad movie. It's a fine. It's a good movie. I would say it's a good movie. I, I liked it a lot. It's just not so exceptional that I, I question if it's worth the effort to go out of your way to seek it out. But, you know, I, I almost feel like I have to because I can't think of another movie like it. I guess one quick question for you, Tanner. You said you were going to compare this to uh, Watchmen. Oh, <laughs> Right, let me explain that. When I was watching the show, specifically around the time we got to the Crusader scene with Rob Lowe being like, I'd like to sell out and suck your cuck. I don't know where that accent came from, but when we got around to that scene, I remember there was another thing I've seen recently that made it feel like, oh, being a superhero is all about, it's not less about being a superhero and it's more about your image and your brand. What did I watch recently that reminded me of this? And I realized it this morning. It was the Watchmen TV show, specifically the flashback episode where uh, Regina King, you know, takes all those nostalgia pills or whatever. And then she goes, you know, she lives her grandfather's, great-grandfather's uh, life. When her great-grandfather hooded justice, joins that, like, or the Minutemen, I think they were, the, yes. that original superhero team. He discovers that the other people in it, they're not interested in fighting for justice. They're interested in their brand. They're interested in the public recognition. They're interested in sex. It, it, it's very similar to what a lot of aspects of the specials are in, in an absolutely batshit insane way. So it's why it was really interesting you brought up the gun more thing because in there's a little kernel there because that's also kind of present in the original Watchmen about how it's more about your brand and being in a costume and having public recognition than it was about being a hero. It's such an interesting thing because it feels like such an obvious critique of superheroism that I feel like I don't see a lot of satire do. I wonder if it's because it's too obvious. I don't know, but it's just an aspect of it I noticed. 
All right. Well, as far as my opinions go as to whether or not I would recommend it, I would absolutely recommend people seek this out. I think this movie is quite ahead of its time, especially considering that this, again, was made in the year 2000 and is a biting commentary on superhero uh, films and just comic book superheroes in general like right on the uh the pulse of the comic book movie boom because again the the year that this came out x-men came out and basically kicked off the comic book movie boom that we've been living in for the past 20 years and plus it's also a nice little time capsule of the early 2000s late 90s it's also a nice little thing to go back and uh just kind of watch knowing where james gunn would go as a filmmaker and also just a lot of these actors thomas hayden church get wings and george of the jungle before that but then oh hey a few years later sideways uh spider-man 3 judy greer was not a name at this point and then she became later on in her career a very famous character actor fucking jenna fisher shows up for like one scene were they married at this point no, from what I understand, they weren't married yet. From what I remember in the commentary, they kind of met on the set of the specials. There's a reporter in the scene where they're okay. doing the uh, the toy thing. There's a reporter somewhere in there who I think was Jenna Fisher's husband after James Gunn. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> the St. Louis special, as we like to call it. <laughs> But yeah, um, this was this was years before her big break on The Office. So it, yeah, it's a nice little time capsule in that regard. So I would absolutely recommend that people check it out. And that I think is going to wrap it up for the specials podcast. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in and watched this. I highly doubt that this is going to track as far as views go because of how obscure it is, but you never know. Thank you for watching anyways. If you like the video, please hit that like button. If you're new here and want to see more, hit that subscribe button. Uh, If you want to know uh, when our next videos come out, as soon as they come out, hit the bell icon. Um, We're talking about the Green Knight next week. Is that our next week video? (laughs) Unfortunately. Finally! Cinema! Next week, uh, I don't know who all here is going to be on it. I'm not going to be on it. They're, they're going to be talking about the A24 film, The Green Knight. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll see you all later. And uh, never forget, in these times of hardship, please remember, we are Groot. Peace, bitches. Leave a comment below. Oh, okay. <laughs> Peace, bitches. You get two. <laughs>